Blog Talk Radio. Driving all night, my hands wet on the wheel. It's talking in circles. There's a voice in my head that drives my heel. With your host, Clayton Caldwell. My baby calling till I need you here. And John Harlow. And it's a half past four and I'm shifting gear. Hello everybody and welcome to Talking in Circles. I am Clayton Caldwell with SpeedwayMedia.com's John Harlow. It's another episode of Talking Circles. Tonight we'll break down Michigan, Firekeepers Casino 400 from Michigan. It was Kyle Larson's victory, his third in his NASCAR Cup career. Uh, we'll talk about some penalties handed down in the encumbered win in the Xfinity Series. Is it enough what happened to the number 20 team at Joe Gibbs Racing for their win at Michigan? Uh, they had a splitter problem on that car. Is it enough? Because, you know, you can lose your crew chief. But is it enough for that team? We'll talk about that. Also, we'll break down the Sonoma Sonoma this weekend. Uh, Road Ringers, Billy Johnson, should have a decent shot today making his NASCAR Cup debut. And, of course, you got the veteran Boris said. We'll talk about that. Uh, Gateway had high crowds and a great win for John Hunter Nemechek. Plus, much more here on Talking Circles tonight to join the show. Now it's 7-8-9-8-2-8-0. Tonight's show is both... We're live on Block Talk Radio tonight and on Three and Out Radio later in the week. So we'll talk here first, and we'll talk about race. It's who, you know, had his finished second for the third consecutive time here at Michigan. John, what are your thoughts on the race at Michigan? So, what are your thoughts on the race in Michigan? We're having a little technical difficulties here with John. Uh, what are your thoughts on the race in Michigan here, John? Sorry about that. Uh, that's why uh, I Saturday, whenever they had the rain Saturday night, it kind of put a hindrance on the cup race. They had a second groove starting to work in at the end of the Xfinity race. And the more they, more rubber they put down on the track, the bigger the groove gets and the more laps they put on it. But it rained Saturday night and washed the rubber off. That's why they had the competition caution. Um, again, it's one of those races that was premium where clean air was the key to everything. I mean, you look, Truex ran away. I mean, Larson ran away at the first stage. Truex ran away at the second stage. And then, boom, Larson comes back at the end and um, takes tires, gets ahead of the guys who didn't take any. Um, started on the outside. The middle groove at Michigan seemed to be the way to get around. You couldn't really go on the bottom. You couldn't really go on the top. The middle groove was where everything was. And if you started on the outside lane, you had a good run at everything. Um, so it was a great run for Kyle Larson. Uh, Chase Elliott, I mean – to be that consistent right now at Michigan, I mean, that's a tough pill to swallow being three seconds in a row. But I take that over 339ths in a row or 338ths in a row. So, hey, be happy with your second-place finish. If you get up there and you stay up there, uh, sooner or later the brakes are going to go your way. Ask Ryan Blaney. Um, he's been running up front all year. The brakes went his way at Pocono. He um, wound up pulling out his first win of his cup career. So Chase is going to be there. Um, there were some 
really good. It was a good comeback race for Joey Logano, uh, pulling out a third-place finish because they've been struggling in the 22 cars since they had their encumbered win in uh, Richmond. It was – the one thing that really bothered me, and I know we're going to get to it, is debris cautions. And I understand sometimes there's debris cautions that really need to be called because they are a safety issue but a garbage bag on the track or whatever that final debris caution was for. I mean, Tony Stewart was pissed. Dale Jr. was pissed. There were a lot of not happy people about that final couple um, debris cautions that bunched up the field and caused melees. I agree. And it's been a problem here for NASCAR for the last few years. Um, I think when you look at it, I think a lot of people expected, and I think Dale Jr. touched on this on Twitter, a lot of people expected the debris cautions to, the the stages to take away the debris cautions, um, at least the ones that are, are thrown intentionally to uh, spice up competition. And listen, if you're at a point now and you don't believe NASCAR throws cautions or did in the past to spice up the competition, I don't know, I just don't know what you're watching. Um, you're either a very good soldier or you drink a lot of Kool-Aid. Um, you know, there's no doubt. I think the drivers know it. I think the team owners know it. I think uh, the fans should know it. I think everybody in the broadcast business knows it now. Will some people come out and say that? No, because their job's on the line. But ultimately, I think it's been a problem here for the last six or seven years. And part of my thing was, well, we're going to get cautions, no doubt about it. We're going to sit there and we're going to get stage cautions, but at least the drivers will get something for it. Um, they'll get the points and stuff like that, and I could live with that. I was hoping we were going to see these debris cautions with 20 to go, but like you mentioned, it was very, very aero-sensitive racetrack this weekend at Michigan. Part of the reason, and, and I've touched on this numerous times, and a lot of people disagree with me because the, the big three, the big two are, are up there, Part of the reason why I only want to see one race at Michigan now, because it has become an absolute bore fest for the last five years at Michigan. The this, this stands show it. Uh, the ratings have showed it. Michigan is not very good. Um, and I think they needed to throw the precaution there to spice up the competition. No doubt about it. I think um, when you get leaders running away with it, uh, NASCAR says these fans might turn it off, might turn it off. We need to keep our ratings up. And they throw a caution flag. Um, and you can say whatever you want. Well, that's not how they do it. I totally disagree with you. I think that is exactly how they do it. I think they've thrown the precautions for a while. I don't think it matters who's in the lead. I just think they try and put on the best show possible. Um, but, you know, to me, what makes this racing, what made this racing great was the fact that the unexpected always happened. And now we're sort of getting this unexpected, the unexpected from the precautions. And it's just bothering people. The drivers are finally speaking out. I think a lot of people have had it. And I don't blame them because it causes more cautions. It takes out the innocent driver who's run really good all day over a, a bad restart of another person. And we saw that uh, with the late race wreck at the end. So um, I just think these precautions need to stop. I think NASCAR needs to stop acting like it's not a big deal. I think NASCAR needs to stop acting like they don't know. They need to stop acting like there's an actual reason for it. Now, if there's a big chunk of debris on the racetrack, sure, it needs to be thrown, but I don't think that was the case in Michigan at all. 
And one of the things I look at it when it comes to debris cautions, if there is a debris caution, you can do the two-mile track in the safety vehicle doing about 85 mile an hour in about a minute and 15, minute and 20 seconds. The debris off the course and go. We don't need five laps of caution for a garbage bag. That's 10 miles. It's only a 400-mile race. It makes no sense. It's one of those things that makes it even more strategically challenging for crew chiefs, where if it's a debris caution, it's going to be a quickie yellow, where we'll throw the yellow, we'll get the debris off, and as soon as we get the debris off, the next lap, it's green. So if you're going to pit, everybody pits at once. You get in there, get out. You take the choice of whether or not you're going to take the chance of pitting because you they may be on the backstretch getting ready to go green when you're coming off pit road and you're playing catch-up. It'll put strategy, real big strategy, into the race. There's no need for these five-lap cautions. And like you said, NASCAR caution whenever they want. They throw five laps for a garbage bag but yet there's a cowboy hat on the front stretch for about 25 laps. And they just kept driving by it. Nobody bothered it. Just the hat kept sitting there. But they do five laps of caution for a garbage bag. It just, I mean, it bugs the hell out of me. And the other thing, as we keep going, and hopefully they make the changes next year to it, because Steve O'Donnell has said they were looking at it on the morning drive a couple times. After the green checker flag to end the stage, those laps under caution should not be under caution. They should be free laps. I mean, we are not needing 30 laps of caution for every race because, I mean, it's getting to the point now, any caution in NASCAR is no less than four laps, depending on the size of the track. I mean, a two-mile track, you've got safety vehicles all over the place. They should be able to get that piece of debris get into the next stage, next place to pull off the track, and be able to go green in the next lap instead of five laps of caution. You shouldn't have to do for, I mean, they do quickie caution sometimes whenever they want to get things moving. There's no need to have the lap around. Then you have the lead lap pit. Then you have the uh, lap down cars pit. Then you have another lap to get everybody back in line and everything. Everybody knows where they're supposed to be. NASCAR says you're in this position, you move there, you go there, and they go green. Let's quit wasting time under yellow, let's see some green flag racing, and let's go at it. Listen, I agree, and I think part of it is, and I know for at least the stages, and I don't know if this was the case at Michigan, is, is the commercial break. You know, when these, um, when these questions come out, it's a good time for television to go on commercial break, and, you know, the during the stages, they'll go on commercial break before we go. We have pit stops. Then we'll have pit stops. They'll go on commercial break after we have pit stops. And their claim is, well, we will see more green flag racing because we won't go on commercial during green flags. Um, I think TV really had a big, big emphasis on that earlier in the year. And I do think maybe they were waiting for TV to finish up a commercial break before we went green, and that's why it was such a fast lap. And I don't think the t- when they call for quickie yellows, I don't think the TV's sitting there, unless there's a lot of cautions in the race, I don't think the TV's sitting there going, this is a good idea because we can't get our spot, we can get our sponsors out there. Um, it's unfortunate, uh, and there was a lot of talk about it on Twitter, 
Dale Jr. touched on it. You just mentioned Tony Stewart, Clint Boyer. Uh, a lot of other people were talking about the precautions. And, it, and it's just, to me, where were these people five years ago, though? You know, um, that's the biggest problem I have with it is, you know, we knew about this issue five years ago, and if we spoke out five years ago, we might not have stages today. Not that stages have made the racing worse, but I prefer long green flag racing. I love, you know, a 200-lap run uh, to the finish or a 100-lap run to the finish under green flag conditions. I think it's awesome. The racing's changed, and I can live with the stages. But if these people came out five, six years ago when the, the precautions were prevalent, we might not have stages. We might ask them to nip it in the bud because they said, listen, this is, we don't want these drivers speaking out. Um, so, you know, to me, it's a double-edged sword, but it really takes away from Kyle Larson's win, John. I think Kyle Larson, when you look at it, uh, Michigan's a good racetrack form, high, banked, um, wide racetrack, a good racetrack form to go out and, finish, and take the win. You know, you mentioned Logano. He needed the rebound. Um, you know, Toyota's, Joe Gibbs Racing still held out of victory lane. Bush led 40 laps. Truex led 62 laps. Uh, and Joe, Joe Gibbs Racing still haven't gotten a win. A nice run for Stenhouse in eighth. Benny Dale Jr. and Jimmy Johnson in ninth and tenth. Um, but what were your thoughts on the actual finishing order? Was there anybody that surprised you here before we move on, John? Well, the the one that disappointed me the most because of the way the restart started at the end and everything, Clint Boyer was coming through the field. He um, took tires, got put back in about 14th, 15th, made his way into the top 10, and it basically was a one, one-and-a-half groove racetrack. If you were willing to go low, you risked it. And Boyer was willing to go low. And he did well coming through. Harvick had a good run going and got caught up in one of the melees. I mean, he was crunched in the middle of the accident that wound up with Daniel Suarez uh, taking Danica out because Daniel got tapped in the butt by Bubba, uh, Bubba Wallace coming up. It just it, – three of Stuart Haas's cars – got taken out because of those cautions and it messed up the running order it, the better cars i mean boyer had one of the better cars at the end of the day he probably could have ended up with a top five run but because of the way the cautions were you if you just got a hair out of the groove you wound up in the marbles and bouncing off the wall and that's what happened to boyer on the on that restart where he got caught up in it i think it was nice to see uh logano get back on track it really would have been cool to see logano go to victory lane and announce on father's day in victory lane that they're expected and congratulations to joey and his wife and it was really funny um delana harvick on twitter after it was announced with the old remember who wears the fire suit in the family and it's not going to be Brittany or joey it's going to be baby logano will be wearing the fire suit soon because they're the one that's going to be in charge of that household but, I mean, there's some really good runs out of the day. I thought Bubba had a, a very consistent run. I thought the Fords were running great. Again, Toyota, Bush, and the Gibbs camp starting to show, show some muscle but not getting the finishes for it. And Truex, again, with another stage win. He's got 10 out of the 32 stages that have been won. He's won 10 of them. So another adding playoff points for Martin Truex Jr., um, so all in all, it was a decent race. I mean, there's a lot of things that can improve. Um, it may be one of them ones where they need to get tires and start running in between and all that stuff to make sure they get grooves built in. But I think the rain Saturday night into Sunday morning hurt the fact that they had the groove expand a little bit in the Xfinity race. 
Oh, you're probably right. And, you know, I look at it and I say, um, again, I'm not, a, for some reason, it's just, this racetrack just irks me. Um, I used to like it as a kid. I just feel like the package here recently hasn't been very good towards Michigan. I just don't think it's put on a very good race recently. Um, and, again, I would like to see this date maybe move to, to one date and have this, I think, give this Father's Day all. It would have been great for the teams, great for the drivers, great for everybody. Um, and we can move on to Sonoma, which is obviously next week. And that, listen, Sonoma's going to be a lot of fun. But before we get to Sonoma, um, you know, you're talking about stage points and stage wins. You know, Truex has 10, as you mentioned. He's got right now 20 playoff points. And this is going to be interesting to look at as the season goes along because the playoff points are what the, what the chase is going to be ranked as. You know, you got Jimmy Johnson with 15, Brad Keselowski with 12, Kyle Larson with 13. Those four are really in good shape as we get to, um, you know, Richmond at the end of Richmond, as we get to the first race of the chase in Chicagoland. Uh, these stage races, and, and the people who don't have stage points, Dale Earnhardt Jr., for example, you know, he's coming up in a, a racetrack in two weeks where he could win and get in at Daytona. But he doesn't have any stage points. So, you know, even if he wins, he's going to have his work cut out for him when he gets into uh, the chase. Because when you look at that, you say you're going to have to have one, more than one or two wins. And right now he is way behind the eight balls as far as stage points go. You, know, you can say the same thing about Ricky Stenhouse Jr. He's only got five. Um, you know, Matt Kenseth and Joe Logano have one. Danny Hamlin has two. And Jamie McMurray, as fast as that car has been, have none. has none. Chase Elliott's got two. Kevin Harvick's got three. They've got to pick it up. Elliott and Harvick have to pick it up. They want to be a real contender for this championship. I think the stage points and the playoff points, whatever you want to call them, are going to be huge for crowning our championship in 2017, John. And I think some of these guys who haven't run very good or haven't run in the, uh, in the, the lead at the end of these stages are really going to start feeling the impact when we get closer and closer towards the playoffs. Um, there's a chance it could be like that, but there's also a chance those guys could be fighting for the fourth playoff spot. Cause I think they're pretty secure getting to the final eight. When you look at Jimmy Johnson, Kozlowski, Martin Truex Jr. And Larson, I think they're locked into the final eight with as many stage points as they have right now. But when you get to that final four, I mean, when you get that last uh, three race segment before you get to Homestead, at Texas, you never know who's going to win it. There's always somebody that's going to be good at a mile and a half. That might be something where Larson comes in and pulls one off. Phoenix, you almost – it's sort of like Dover with Jimmy Johnson. You've got to beat Harvick to do anything at Phoenix. So Harvick could end up getting a win in a stage. You could end up with three sta- I mean, three race winners that lock themselves into Homestead that aren't those four drivers. I mean, Logano's great at Texas. Logano could win at Texas. Harvick could win at Phoenix. And Kansas is right before Texas. You could have um, somebody else win a mile and a half. It's not one of those four guys. So you could have three different winners, and those four guys with all the playoff points are fighting for that fourth spot at Homestead. I think they're locked into the final eight, but that last last segment of three races – you'll see all eight of those guys pull out every stop possible to win a race instead of trying to point their way in because they're not going to be able to. You're you're right. And those wins are going to be very, very important in the playoffs when, if you don't have those points, 
um, to advance. So that is going to be very interesting to watch as we get to that point. We still got a bunch of races left to go before we get to the playoffs, but these teams now sort of like when you watch the standings in baseball, you don't really watch the standings until you get to about middle of May, end of May, early June. Then you really start to sort of uh, scoreboard watch, as people call it. I think in NASCAR, you, right around Sonoma, you start start looking and saying, hey, um, this is the time when, you know, people should scoreboard watch, per se. Uh, it's be a very interesting weekend because you've got guys like A.J. Almendinger who can win at this racetrack and really change up the chase format. But before we get to that, we have, there was a, another race at Michigan this weekend, the Irish Hills 250 at Michigan International Raceway NASCAR Xfinity Series event. It was won by Denny Hamlin in the Joe Gibbs Racing Toyota. He held off William Byron by a fender to win the race. Elliot Sadler was third. Kislowski was fourth. Kyle Busch was fifth. Um, Kislowski led a lot of the race. Denny Hamlin led a lot of the race. Uh, those two guys really were the class of the field. Byron came in at the end of the late restart and, and had the lead, but Hamlin just passed him at the end. Um, it was a great finish, and a lot of people, you know, looked at William Byron and said, hey, kid, get him next time. It was really the, the first sign in the Xfinity Series, at least, of William Byron sort of uh, growing a little bit in this series. He's really gotten off to, I wouldn't say a slow start, but a slower start than people expected, I believe. You know, he, he dominated the truck series last year. So he comes to the Xfinity Series and hasn't run up front with these big cup guys, but he did it on Sunday at Michigan. Hamlin wins, but it comes at a cost, John. Um, Hamlin was a, had a penalty, him and his number 20 team. Uh, the, the splitter structure was not flat. Uh, race finish is encumbered, and crew chief Chris Gabehart has been fined $25,000 and suspended for the next two Xfinity Series events. Team has also been excessed with uh, a loss of 25 NASCAR Xfinity Series owner points. Hamlin doesn't run for driver points, so there's no points to take away. What are your thoughts on this whole situation, John? Do you think William Byron should be the winner here? What are your thoughts? And if you I said, think we've lost there we go. Here. No, we're back. There we go. If, if you say it all along, I've said it many times. If you fail inspection, you should fail the race. You're out. You finish 40th or whatever the last place finisher is going to be. Um, but in reality, when it comes to Joe Gibbs Racing for the 20 team, what's it matter? Because that team is split up between um, Eric Jones, Hamlin, Kenseth may run a couple races. You got some of the other young guns coming up. That car's running for owner points, but it really isn't because – it's either going to be the 18 with uh, Kyle Busch and um, Daniel Suarez in there and their part-timers. That's the Gibbs car that would run for the owner's championship. Tiff's full-time in the 19 this year. In reality, the 20 team, that didn't matter. They're not going to lose any sleep over it. Hamlin still has the trophy. They still have the trophy sitting at Joe Gibbs Racing. Yeah, it's an encumbered win. So what when you're not running for the uh, driver champion championship? I, it's getting closer. I think sooner or later, NASCAR is going to get to the point where if they fail inspection, they're going to take the win away. And I know it's the old Bill France senior thing that he wants everybody to know when they leave the track, who won the race. But if you fail inspection, you should, you have no business keeping that trophy. You have no business keeping that win. Um, and since William Byron lost by what a thousandth of a second, if that, 
uh, William Byron should win that race, especially when that car comes back illegal. And it just, to me, it's cheating's cheating. If you are a pitcher in baseball and you put Vaseline on the ball, they throw you out of the game. If you fail inspection, they should throw you out of the race. That plain and simple at the end of the race. But the other question is, the other question is how to get through pre-race. Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, when you look at this race, and I agree with you, I don't think this win will do anything for Joe Gibbs Racing as far as impact them. Yeah, you're going to lose Chris Gabehart, but you know what? Um, this is a team that's very, very strong. They're very, they got a lot of depth. It's not like we're talking about a, you know, a extended series only team where losing their key guy is going to hurt them. He can still work on the race car, as we have, as we've described with all these Coochie suspensions. He can still work on this race car when he wants to work on it. Um, you know, the only thing he really can't do is be there during the weekend. But text messages and, and all that computer data, he's allowed to see. So. It's very interesting. I think when you look at that standpoint, um, it makes you wonder why even bother. Eventually, I think you're going to have to take the win away here, John. You're right. I think you hit the nail on the head. Eventually, they're going to have to take this win away. And I don't care if the fans don't know it. We we are, you know, that theory of Bill France saying, well, the fans need to know who won when they left the racetrack is so old school, it's not even funny. You know, 1995, the only thing you might find is if ESPN didn't cover the race, was you know, Winston Cups, he might put his little thing in a, in a paper on it, you know, whenever you read it, whenever you got it, and say, oh, wow, that, that guy didn't win the race. 2017, we have access to everything. We have Sirius XM NASCAR radio on the way home. Most of us are listening to it. We have uh, countless, countless websites that are, that are contributing to NASCAR content and Facebook and Twitter and all that kind of stuff. If you don't know who won that race on Monday, when, if they announce it on Monday morning and say, listen, that were it. It's over. Uh, William Byron won instead of Denny Hamlin. If you still don't know Denny Hamlin didn't win that race until Wednesday or Thursday, there's something wrong with you. You've been on vacation out out in the woods where you you know uh, nobody could, could get in contact with you. It would be to me that's such an old school mentality, and I think it needs to change because you know William Byron's car was was real. It was. Uh, fair. It was everything that, you know, it passed inspection. It was fine. But Denny Hamlin's car didn't. And it came down to, if you've seen pictures, a fender, that 20 car, beat William Byron by. And to me, that is the problem I have with it is how much of an advantage did he give Denny Hamlin? I don't know. I'm not an engineer. I'm not a mechanic. I'm not NASCAR. But if the rule's there, why is the rule there if it doesn't give these guys an advantage? And why are these teams playing with it if it doesn't give them an advantage? And a lot of teams even on the Cup side, they said it during practice at Michigan, a lot of teams have been playing with this splitter to do certain things so they can get more air underneath the race car. Um, it's interesting. And I think NASCAR needs to really look at this. Is losing Chris Gayhart two weeks really going to impact them? No. Um, so take the win away. You know, yeah, the unfortunate thing would be, you know, they still get to do the hat dance, but maybe if they get to do the hat dance and you wait a week to sell a picture, to send the pictures off to the sponsors, and this way they can't put, hang a picture up on the wall at their, at their store or, or whatever they are in their office. And you say, listen, you didn't win the race, and you do a whole other hat dance 
even if it's in front of a banner um, with William Byron on, on a Tuesday. I think that's more acceptable than what we have. And, again, that mentality of not giving the win away is so old school. I wish NASCAR would change it. And this is just a prime example of just how it's silly it is because it really doesn't impact this 20 team. I agree. I mean, that's one of the things we've we've both talked about it for years is we need the correct car to win the race. And if you fail inspection, it's, I mean, you're done. Thanks for playing. You're last place. You get no points. You get no money. You're It's like you didn't even show up. And I think that would change to make sure that you pass inspection. The one thing with that, where I'm wavering on this one in particular is somehow, I mean, I I know the Xfinity guys don't have to go through the claw that the um, cup guys do, but somehow that splitter passed qualifying inspection, pre-race inspection. And it's not like you can go change the splitter with anybody, not anybody seeing it after you go through pre-race inspection. Somehow NASCAR made a mistake by letting that car go through. So that's probably one of the reasons they're just like, oh, it's un- it's encumbered. I mean, if Joe Gibbs really wanted to push the issue, I bet they could probably appeal this and have Chris Gabehart back on the, on the, on the uh, pit box because he can go and say, hey, this car passed pre-race inspection as it was. NASCAR said, yes, you are free to race the car. How does it become not flat with nobody making an adjustment to it because it passed pre-race inspection? So somebody screwed up in the inspection process for the Xfinity side. I don't think there's a doubt. I think they're doing something that NASCAR is not aware of with these front splitters, whether they're making them a little bit softer so when they hit the ground, they bend a little bit more. I think that's a big um Big thing to look at, no doubt about it. Uh, so I, I think that's one of the ways they can look at it. I think NASCAR is in trouble as far as, you know, they let that go and they're sitting there going, well, if that's – how can you – you know, if it measured perfectly with the laser inspection and it doesn't now, how far off was it? That's what the, these fans would like to know, I'm sure. That's what I would like to know. How far off was it? Um, was it a tiny, tiny bit to where if it hit the ground a couple of times, harder with any Hamlin in the car? Um, that would really do that much to it, but we're not privileged to that information. But, um, you know, I think it's very black and white as far as if you pass, you pass, you don't, you don't. And with these lasers, you know, you can be two centimeters off here, and uh, I think that would, you know, really affect the way, you know, give, give these guys a penalty. Um, 919-818, excuse me, uh, 919 Eight, 9178898280 or join the conversation here on Talking in Circles. Um, tonight's show is brought to you by uh, HIQ Energy Drinks, Carolina Security Consultant, and Unforgettables. It's a live on Block Talk Radio. You're listening to Clayton Caldwell and John Harlow from SpooMedia.com tonight. Um, anything else you want to touch on in Michigan, John, about the whole weekend? It was, uh, you know, you had two, two races at Michigan. You had the Cup Series, the Xfinity Series race. Anything else that caught your attention at Michigan? Uh, before we move on, um, basically this was a black eye for NASCAR, not the drivers, because I mean they did the best with what they had. 
I think NASCAR failed twice, once at the Cup Series, once in the Xfinity Series. Um, Hamlin being able to run that car because it passed pre-race inspection puts an egg in NASCAR's face. And the same way with the five-lap debris cautions puts an egg in NASCAR's face. They got to tighten the things up. They got to do it right. If they're gonna if they're gonna penalize somebody for um, failing post race inspection, when you didn't see them make a change to it at all, nobody touched that splitter that anybody saw. Somehow, there's a problem that NASCAR pushed it through and it went through pre race and passed. Um, one of the things I'd love to see NASCAR do, and they won't because it's the way NASCAR is. I'd love to see the post-race inspection of the winning car videoed and available to um, the post-race shows on Fox and NBC and make it available to ESPN and everybody. We're going to, that way you're transparent. You can see exactly where and how the car failed inspection. And it would make it transparent to the fans. So we don't think they're sitting there thinking, oh, they're just penalizing this guy or, they let that guy through or anything like that. That way it's right there, video evidence. Everybody can see the inspectors are talking them through it of what happened. You have the um, guy running the series. You have um, Scott Miller telling everybody exactly why this car failed inspection with video evidence instead of saying, well, it failed. We're going to take it back to NAS- we're going to take it back to the R and D center and look a little deeper at it, and it's an encumbered win. I mean, that's just it's like kissing your sister. I can't agree more, and I think um, NASCAR needs to definitely look at that as it goes on. Sonoma this week, John, road course, first road course of the of the season for this team uh, for the NASCAR Cup Series. Uh, a couple of of road runners, Boris said in the thirty three. Billy Johnson takes over to 43 for the engine Eric Amarola. You have Alain Day in the 23. Of those road ringers, which one do you think uh, will do the best job here at Sonoma? Um, the sad part is Boris said's the best road racer of the three, and Boris has a, the most cup car time of the three, but he's in a piece of junk. Unless somehow they get one of the children's cars and paint it as a 33, What's been coming out of Circle Sport Racing, um, Jeffrey Earnhardt, he's been struggling to get the 30th throughout the season. As good as Boris is, if you don't have some ponies under the engine, I mean, ponies under the hood and a well-balanced car with a solid chassis, you're going to sit back 25th, and Boris is just going to end up getting frustrated and taking probably taking somebody who has a chance to win the race out. Um, the 23, Allen Day, it's good for him to be in a cup car. But 23 is crap this year. I mean, they're not even taking the 83 out there. That's how BK Racing is facing things right now. So, I mean, they're on their last legs. I think um, Billy Johnson is going to be in a respectable car. He actually helped Eric Almarola get better in uh, doing road races because he was his driver coach. He just got back from Le Mans. He's going to have a shot at it. I think if he gets in the top 10, it probably is a – Really good day for Richard Petty Motorsports and a good day for him. I mean, his job is to keep the car clean. But when you come to uh, Sonoma, the first person you look at is the Dinger. And then you start looking at a couple others. I mean, Kyle Busch has been really good on the road courses lately. 
Uh, Keselowski's been better on the road courses lately. Harvick's running the K&N series to get more laps in a Ford, so they're used to what's going on there. I mean, you've got a lot of guys who have a chance to do well, but, I mean, I, I think it starts – it's sort of like Dover with Jimmy Johnson. I think at the road courses right now, everything starts and ends with Eric – I mean, uh, A.J. Allmendinger, and then everybody else is fighting for second most of the time. Yeah, I agree. I think that's what makes this race interesting. You know, you look at Sonoma, and it's a racetrack that, well, you know, I don't prefer road courses. Um, I know there's people out there who love them. You know, I I get, you know, in a conversation with a bunch of people about road courses, and people think we need, like, six on the cup schedule. And I've talked about this at nauseum last year. I think two is a good number. You know, we're going to go to a third with, with Charlotte in 2018, if you consider the Roval road course, um, to me it's it's kind of a fake road course. But what makes this race interesting is that anybody can win it. Uh, as far as if you're if you're a good road racer, you know Almadinger is a guy we always point to because he's got a fast engine in that 47 car. He's got a really good team with RCR equipment, and it sort of changes the game. Jim McMurray's another guy who we haven't seen him win on a in a on a circle track in a long long time. But I think every time he comes to these road courses. He's a force to be reckoned with, um, you know. And there's a lot of drivers out there who don't like road courses. You know, Dale Earnhardt Jr., for example, he's a guy that, who openly talks about not liking road course racing. And I don't think he's a guy to pick this week at all. Um, there's a bunch of guys out there who just don't like road racing. Matt Kenseth comes to mind. He hasn't run good there in the past either. So it changes the game a little bit this week, um, and it makes it interesting, I think. Um, also, John, you know, the silly season starting to pick up a little bit of ground here. Um, a lot of reports coming out about the silly season. Uh, obviously, Dale Earnhardt Jr., you know, he's the most popular guy in in the garage area. He's going to be out of a ride at the end of the year with his retirement. The 88 car is going to be free. A lot of stuff, speculation talking about that. But let me just say this. Can we stop discussing Brad Kozlowski and the 88 car, please? I mean, Roger Penske and Brad Kozlowski are two of the greatest things that ever happened to each other. Um, I think Roger loves a two-car. It runs very good with Brad. I know he wants to go to a third car with with uh, Blaney and that opens up to 21 and there's rumors all about that, but can we stop talking about Brad Kislowski in the two-car, please? Or in the, in the 88 car for Hendrick Motorsports, please? Because to me, um, it, it's just absolutely ridiculous. Roger Penske said Sunday uh, when they asked him about convincing Keselowski to remain at Penske. And he said, we're close, we're close. And Brad Keselowski said during the week, I don't expect to be anywhere other than Team Penske as they go forward. I mean, so you're right. There's no reason to even think about Keselowski going to the 88. And if you think about it, Team Penske's a two-car team. And Brad Keselowski and Joey Logano are one and one A. There's really no two driver there. They're both sort of co-number ones. He goes to Hendrick Motorsports. Jimmy Johnson's the number one guy. And Lowe's and Jimmy Johnson just re-signed for three more seasons. And Rick Hendrick is going to put everything in his power to get Jimmy Johnson that eighth championship. And they're going to do everything they can to put themselves ahead of Petty and Earnhardt. So for the next three years, Jimmy Johnson's the lead dog at Hendrick Motorsports and will continue to be. 
Chase Elliott's in that 24 car, and the 24 car is really special to Rick Hendrick because that is what made Hendrick Motorsports. Jeffrey Bodine made him go with the five. Tim Richmond won a lot of races in the 25 in his limited time there. But Hendrick Motorsports was not Hendrick Motorsports until Jeff Gordon jumped in that 24 car with Ray Evernham and the Rainbow Warriors won four cup titles. So the 24 car with Chase Elliott, who Rick Hendrick has invested many years in because he started with Chase Elliott when he was 15 running K&N East and late models. So you don't have to worry about Chase Elliott being there. He's going to get good stuff. The five and the 88. So if Brad Keselowski happens to go to Hendrick, which he won't, he'd probably be third guy on the totem pole. And I don't think Brad Keselowski would want to go back because if you remember correctly, he was supposed to be the guy going into the five, but they wouldn't take Mark Martin out. So he waited another year driving the 88 for junior at um, junior motorsports. And then after the second year, he's like, Hey, I, I, I got this cup offer from Roger Penske last year. I got it again this year. I want to go. I want to run the cup. And there was no hard feelings because Rick Hendricks like, Oh, there's no room at the end. You might as well go run for Penske. And he won a cup title there. Why would you go be the third driver at Hendrick motorsports when you're the co number one at team Penske? So that makes no sense. But as we look at silly season, I think the key to it is where the, where the dominoes start falling is Matt Kenseth. Wherever Matt Kenseth does is when the dominoes have to fall. Uh, With Monster Energy being the title sponsor, Five Hour Energy can't move from the 77. So it's not like Eric Jones can take that sponsorship with him to the 20 if he goes back to Gibbs, which he's under a one-year contract at Furniture Row and under a multi-year contract to Joe Gibbs Racing. Um. So if Kenseth goes to the 88 and Eric Jones goes back to the 20, there's a hole at the 77. Blaney goes to Penske. There's a hole at the Wood Brothers. Um, Kurt Busch, his contract's up at the end of the year. Danica Patrick, we're all expecting her to go away at the end of the year. So there's an opening at Stuart Haas Racing, possibly two. Um, You have Eric Almirola open game after the 43 his contracts up at the end of the year rumors having of him going to uh Stuart Haas racing into the 10 to take Danica's spot because he could bring Smithfield with him but there's also rumors that Smithfield will stay with Richard Petty um you've got the wild card out there in Carl Edwards who has said he's stepping away he's never used the word retirement and You and I speculated early. It might be where Carlos Slim is paying a lot of money for Carl Edwards not to race so he can get Daniel Suarez up to the cup level. Um, There's the rumor that GMS Racing is looking at going cup racing. Casey Kane has been tied to that car because with his performance at Hendrick Motorsports, they're looking at him at possibly going away from Hendrick and GMS Racing gets their chassis and engines from Hendrick as it is. Uh, Jamie McMurray's 
contracts up at the end of the year, like always. It's really quiet about where Kyle Larson's contract sits. This should be the contract year with Target going away, but there's rumors that he signed a quiet one already. But Tony Stewart came out this week saying, I'd love to have Kyle Larson in a Stewart Haas Ford. So those are just some of the names out there. This could be the goofiest silly season in the history of the Cup. I hear it, John, and, and you know, there's there's a lot of other things going on too. Supposedly, um, you know, the the Paul Menard thing is is interesting. The uh, you know, I heard John Menard could be starting his own team. So there's a lot of things that are going on there. A lot of things in the works and. It's funny because silly season has been kind of dull the last couple of seasons, and we all thought maybe that was because of the, the chartering system. But uh, the, as dull as it's been the last couple of years, it's going to be really, really exciting uh, this season for sure. That's all the time we have tonight on Talking in Circles. We'll talk to you again next week. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs>